0: Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I told you guys I was a lone person out there, it felt like, for a while. You and my audience, of course, and a couple of other brave people, that there's something fundamentally wrong with this case surrounding Paul Pelosi. Totally, totally wrong. I could tell from the cops they contradicted themselves. They held back on basic information that they should have been sharing There is something very, very wrong. And now NBC has retracted. However, it was online for a while. Uh, They pointed out, granted, I pointed this out a couple of days ago, that Pelosi, according to sources, um, did not declare an emergency. Once the cops got there, he walked back several feet into the foyer uh, to the within reach of the armed attacker, Dave DePape. There's something wrong here. More on that in a little bit. Now, however, first, got a special surprise guest, and I hope he's not calling to bust my chops, Uh, (laughs) but he is the legendary uh, broadcaster and most successful author of all time, at least on the nonfiction side, Bill O'Reilly. Bill, uh, welcome. Nice to hear from you. What's going on? Yeah,
1: cruising around Long Island listening to your show, Kelly, and I wanted to verify what you said about the Trump situation, you were absolutely right. uh you were the guy, I think the only guy who called uh the trump victory uh what was it eighteen months before the it happened i and you were right about me. I did not think that Trump back then could break through the bush machine, and um I knew that he was formidable, well-financed Trump, but I never thought he would get enough support from the Republican Party to get the nomination. So I just wanted to verify for the millions of people who huh. listen to you that you told them the truth.
0: Well, Bill, thank you so much, because sometimes people's memories can can you know, I was like, oh, does Bill remember like I do? So let me set it up on June 16th, 2015. Uh, Donald Trump declared we all saw him come down the escalator. I was there in person and so was Bill O'Reilly, George Stephanopoulos, and only really, I think quite frankly that was it. There were a lot of cameras, Bill, but there weren't that many journalists. And one of the reasons why I was able to, you know, see what I saw is because I was there. But I do remember we were getting onto the elevator. I was in shock. I was like this is the world has changed. Everything is different. And you said, uh, he's not going to make it past uh, New Hampshire. And um, but Bill, then we went up. Do you remember we went up to the office? You interviewed him, and and Trump.
1: First interview with him. It was yeah, and I and I told him in the interview exactly what I told you. I said, "You're gonna win," (laughs) you know, because that's me. Um, And I was wrong. Um, It was an amazing thing to watch from Mm -hmm. a historical point of view. It was a change point in America that people were so angry about what was happening by the standard politicians that they were going to go with an unknown, Trump. And then, four years later, the anger shifts against Trump. And the only reason Biden won was because people didn't like Trump, not because of the way he governed. And now, two years after that, the anger has shifted back into the Republican precincts, which are furious, about what the Biden administration is doing. So this anger quotient is a very um, specific indicator of who will win and who will not win.
0: So, Bill, you were there. I was there. You know who wasn't there? The New York Times, Maggie Haberman. Was not there yet. She wrote up a little piece, a little snarky piece saying there's no way he can win because he was rude at some dinner in Iowa like a, a year before. And she couldn't imagine the circumstances did not take him seriously. It was a total joke. And, uh, you know, Maggie Haberman, for whatever reason, the left reveres her. I guess Trump does call her from time to time, but you know, I'm reading her book, which is just full of mistakes. Uh, quite frankly, distortions that. They've got to be lies. Uh, I just it calls to to mind that to really cover something, Bill, you're a great anchor, you know, but you're a reporter first. I think it's fair to say, and you get out there. You got to experience this stuff firsthand. And fewer and fewer people are experiencing first things firsthand than ever before, especially in journalism.
1: Absolutely, uh, Haberman's reporting on Donald Trump was based on a hundred and forty. Anonymous sources one hundred and forty, which was not verified, that the New York Times will allow its report, its reported staff to put in articles, unverified reports by anonymous people, and they don't even tell their editors who, who they are. so you could fabricate whatever you want to fabricate, which has happened to the New York Times. They've had a number of scandals in their past, which exactly. Now, as far as Haberman is concerned, I don't care. Anybody who believes that woman, hey, you're an American, you're free to believe what you want to believe. She hates Trump. She's made money off hating Trump. She's just like Bob Woodward. They'll say anything. They don't have to verify it. And if it's wrong, no one holds them accountable. So that's the industry that we're in, Kelly. It has deteriorated over the past 20 years. You you don't even recognize it anymore. It's all about money, and hatred. Well, now on the on the Pelosi thing, this is interesting, and I want to, as you know, you are my friend. I want to caution you about one thing. Is that all right? No, no, no.
0: Please do, because I know that you're. uh, I've heard you speak out about this, and you. We do disagree on this, but go ahead, please.
1: I don't know if we disagree, but we're reporting it differently. So all I'm going to report at this point. Is the court documents because I'm not using any anonymous sources. I never do, ever, on anything. Okay? The court documents are accumulated information from the FBI, which is involved in this, as you know, and the local San Francisco Police Department. I do not trust the locals because the locals are not reliable sources. Nancy Pelosi is powerful in that town. And she can get stuff spiked. The FBI is another matter on criminal investigations, not Trump, not political, but criminal. Their field office in San Francisco is pretty good. So when you have a guy like LePage, he's charged. And in the charges, it has to list what the charges are and why they are being launched. And that's where the information flow should stay. Now, you can say, as you have, this doesn't look right to me. And I'll respect that all day long. I mean, Mr. Pelosi has a drinking problem. We all know that. That's backed up by his DUI this summer. He's 82. So if he's befuddled, that's not unusual. Mm. But I would hesitate to speculate in a negative way on the victim, Pelosi, without having very substantial evidence. Well, Am I wrong?
0: You're not wrong, but I'll say this. You and I may be reading the same documents differently or our interpretation is different. Because like you, I have been relying on on actually two things, statements from the police. I have been listening to their official statements and noting the inconsistencies and the strangeness and the district attorney violating her own standards and procedures to withhold the 911 tape, to withhold the body cam tape. And as I look at the federal affidavit, this is one of the things that really leaped out at me. It said that Pelosi greeted the officers. Pelosi greeted the officers when they came. Now, by the way, they've all been vague and confusing about who opened the door. They they contradict themselves in these documents. And that, to me, just said this is not credible. They're hiding something. Number
1: one, the San Francisco Police Department is not credible, as I said. So whatever they say has to be taken with skepticism. A greeting could be interpreted 50 different ways. We don't know. There was a live cam, and I know you know this, from the Capitol Police in D.C. to the Pelosi home. That tape has been reviewed by the FBI. So, have they released the tape? No. Are they required to release it? No. It's an ongoing investigation. You better than anyone on earth. No. You don't release stuff unless you um Are sure it's not going to influence the investigation one way or the other. Can I ask you so this though, not, Bill?
0: What about the nine one one tape? The nine one one tapes that has become that and quite, should be released, and it hasn't because been. San
1: Francisco, yeah, because that's the purview of the DA in San Francisco but, and the San Francisco mayor, and they're not reliable.
0: And so to me, that's, that's that that is that's significant because they they put these things out for big cases and small. When a cop shoots somebody, they release the body cam tape. They release the nine one one tape. When Uh, uh Usher or uh, Kevin Hart gets into a car accident, they release the nine one one tape. Quite frankly, I actually don't think they should do that as a matter of policy because it could make somebody more reluctant to call nine one one if they think they're going to be on the news the next day. But the bes-
1: reason that the 911 tape isn't released is because it could be interpreted a number of ways.
0: But that's, that's up to us. That's the public. This is a, this is a public, this is, this is public material. We own that. And I didn't invent the custom of releasing this stuff, but it, that has become the custom. They're withholding it. The Washington post yesterday says they should withhold it. They should never release it. The district attorney also said at one point, it may or may not come out in trial. We don't know yet. So I think it obviously presents, it, it disrupts the preferred narrative of this case, uh, I, 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 in my opinion. And I understand, though, we have to proceed cautiously. And I don't yes. quite frankly care, you know, I, I, about what his proclivities are. And there's been, you know, rumors and, and, and jokes on Twitter. I haven't gone there. It doesn't matter to me. By the way, it's lawful, whatever the hell he may have been doing, but it's politically problematic if they're lying to us. And, you know, one other thing, Bill, and I'll stop. When Nancy Pelosi asked for privacy on Friday morning, that also struck me as very strange. You ask for privacy when you're going through a divorce, when your kid gets in trouble. You know, Tom Brady wants privacy at this time, you know, with Giselle and all that stuff. But not when you're the victim of a crime. You want justice. You want want answers. I can't remember anybody who was the victim of a genuine crime asking for privacy.
1: Well, look, I'm giving the Pelosi family the benefit of the doubt, which I think is the Christian thing to do, because the man has a fractured skull. So that didn't bother me. If there is some kind of nefarious, word of the day, aspect to this case, it will come out. But my message, and this is my message throughout my whole career, is you don't speculate negatively about a victim until you know 100% or the evidence is overwhelming because the victim is the victim. Yes, you can and should journalists should raise questions, but you can't speculatively answer those
0: questions Fair to a point, Bill. I'm going to have to say this because you mentioned the cracked skull. I don't know that there. They have not briefed us. That's not in the court filings. That's not we have not had That's a doctor hospital, come out.
1: The hospital put out the medical report detailing all of the injuries one of which is a fractured skull
0: i did not see that and i remember because media like that that i thought came from the let me just see that if it came from the hospital it came from the hospital but yeah go
1: to san com in the break okay that's the best place to get information on a local level well
0: i've been going to the i've been going to the chronicle a lot and what they've been doing is quoting sources so i'd be yeah, curious to see if this has been released by because you know you you've seen before when a person Otto Warmbier when he got back from north korea and he had those health problems you know doctors come out they hold a press conference it's not unprecedented i haven't seen it i will check it in the break but bill i got to tell you we are honored honored that you called in that you listen and by the way uh the book Killing the Legends uh I haven't stopped thinking about it I read it cover to cover in uh in a weekend it's 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 such a treat and it's hard to pick you you, you go into Elvis you go into uh John Lennon and Muhammad Ali of the three which was your favorite to work on
1: I think the uh Muhammad Ali part is the most historical because of his Uh, refusal to go into the armed forces, and how he gave all his autonomy to the Nation of Islam, which is a group, by the way, that's fueling all of this. uh, Kiri Irving and uh, what's the rapper's name? They're behind this anti-Semitism, the Nation of Islam. But the other thing about killing the legends, the lethal danger of celebrity, is it ties right in to the Pelosi assault. And the the message that I want to get across, in our history right now, famous people have never been in more danger, ever. And if you're famous, you have to protect yourself, because this thing is not being dealt with by anyone. There are millions of people, psychotics, roaming the streets of America who will hurt ordinary people. But if you're famous, then it jacks up on steroids. So um, I appreciate the kind words about Legends. We think it's one of our best books. And, look, I listen to your show all the time, Kelly. (laughs) Why do you think I'm so smart? I get it all from you.
0: (laughs) Bill, you're the best. Thank you so much for calling in. To be continued, Bill O'Reilly, everybody, and we'll be right back. Have a good weekend. Thank you, sir. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network